0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: wee! We got a lot to get to and just one hour to do it. It's a power hour solo Spain, Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80 ESPN radio is presented by progressive insurance. We're taking you right up to game three warriors at Celtics starts at nine Eastern here on ABC and also of course on ESPN radio with our pregame starting at eight 30, actually eight I should say eight Eastern right here on ESPN radio. Uh, This is a series that I've been asking anyone who will listen and talk to me about where's the edge after the first two games. There are so many things that went differently from game one to two and so many factors that might change tonight in game three, that it's really hard to get a read on who has the edge. In theory, it would be Boston for stealing one at home against the warriors, but I I don't know after what we saw in game 2 if some of the things that the Warriors figured out might translate even to a game on the road. So let's get to some straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. What are my keys to tonight's game 3? Let me start by mentioning first that Zach Lowe on the Low Post Pod always a great listen. Did a really good job of explaining just how tight this series is after 2. The score difference, Warriors 215, Boston 208 after 2 games. Efficiency numbers for both better defensively than offensively. Boston has two more made threes than the Warriors. Boston has one more made free throw than the Warriors. Golden State, a little better in terms of field goal percentage. Offensive rebounding, about the same. The big difference brings me to my first key. 32 turnovers for Boston to Golden State's 26. And 23 of those Boston turnovers were Warrior steals. So number one, can the Warriors take care of the ball tonight? It sounds so simple, but this is what we saw in the series with the Heat as well. When you don't force a team to beat you in the half court, you waste one of the keys to the Celtics success since they really turned on the Jets around January, which is that they are so tough to beat in the half court because of their defensive prowess one through five. When you let a team, especially a team like the Warriors, get transition buckets, Steph stepping into open threes, you are toast. And we saw that in game two, 33 points for the Warriors off turnovers from the Celtics in that game. So can the Celtics take care of the ball tonight? And you know, part of that is what Jason Tatum shows up for this game. Tatum is looking for contact. Tatum is forcing it at times, putting the ball on the floor, looking to drive, looking for contact, looking for fouls when he has the physical ability to go up and over almost anyone. You look at the presence that Gary Payton uh, second had in that game when he returned to that incredible standing ovation, which was, I'm sure, super joyful for both him and his dad from that Warriors crowd. But he comes back in and as excellent a defender as he is physically, that's a mismatch. And Tatum looking for the foul instead of shooting right over top of him is a mistake. So which Tatum shows up tonight? Because he put up enough points in the last game, but you do remember that plus minus was the worst in finals history. That was an excellent mathematical problem to figure out how he managed to put up the the numbers that he did, and yet defensively and in terms of uh, plus minus be, be in the negative so much. But, you know, Kirk Goldsberry, ESPN NBA writer, Uh, talked about this, exactly what you can try to get from Tatum in Game 3.
0: He needs to play better offense. He needs to play better offense specifically as a scorer, Chris. I think when you think of Jason Tatum, you think of a guy who can score almost 50 points in a huge game like he did in the Milwaukee series. He hasn't been good enough as a scorer, period. In fact, he was awful in Game 2 shooting the basketball inside the arc. This guy needs to make some of those mid-range shots, some of those ISOs. Uh, late in the game if it's close he's the guy that can sort of get a bucket for the Boston Celtics late in the shot clock
1: yeah it it hasn't been the case he's averaging 20 points five and a half boards and eight assists per game looks pretty good in the box score but he's shooting right around 30 percent from the field that's 15 percentage points lower than his season average is he tight is he forcing it maybe first finals Team on his shoulders. But he has got to take over and be aggressive and play his style. Not try to go for fouls. Not try to get inside, put the ball on the floor with all those handsy Warriors defenders looking to disrupt. We saw that a lot in that game. The, the Celtics put the ball on the floor and uh, the, the Warriors being able to get deflections. So, which Tatum shows up is a big part of this. They will be in Boston. So, of course... Which Draymond shows up, the one that giveth or the one that taketh away? Because Draymond's temper in this home crowd could be combustible. And for all I've heard from some people, which is you just ignore him, I've also heard interesting takes like you get in his head and try to get him to get ejected. Jeff Van Gundy on the Low Post podcast on what he would do with Draymond
0: you either have to come to uh, the idea as a group that we're going to completely ignore Green, his antics and his disruptions, or we're going to confront him every single time he runs his mouth. And so I would try to get the earliest double T of all time, could be at the jump ball. I would start Grant Williams maybe and have him just walk right over there and just start John, right? And then every time Green's running his mouth, turn and confront
1: him. Yeah. I mean, I'm here for that test him for as much as Draymond can give the warriors with his energy. He is always on that line of potentially getting too fired up and costing his team. So if I'm at home with the Boston fans doing Boston fan things, I send Grant Williams after him. I send somebody else after him. I see if I can get him out of his game. Now, Brian Windhorst did point out on his podcast that Scott Foster will be officiating, will not be swayed by that home crowd. Maybe he will keep the peace a little bit with Scott Foster running the show, but it's going to be up to Draymond to take care of himself. Also interesting to watch tonight, Draymond on Jalen Brown is a great move when it comes to keeping Jalen Brown from being overly effective, but it pulls him 20-plus feet away from the basket, face-guarding Brown, and then it allows a lot of uh, more open looks inside. And it keeps him out of the lane. So are they going to put him on someone else where he can keep an eye on the lane more? Or are they going to continue to try to have him shut down Jalen Brown and allow some other baskets as a a trade-off? That's going to be something to watch. All right. My fourth key. This is a simple one. The third quarter swoon. And we talked to Tim Legler about this last night on our show.
0: You might have to run some blitzes at Curry in that third quarter. Get the ball out of his hands a little bit. Do not let him come out and get that flurry going that he loves to and everybody feeds off of that on his team. Um, It's an energy thing, and it's a preparation, I think, thing. And you can't make mistakes defensively in the first four or five minutes of the third quarter. It's really what it comes down to. They know what they have to do. They've got to execute it.
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's execution. It's not coaches don't say the right things at the half. It's not they're tired or they're not trying hard enough or they don't care or they should be ashamed of themselves. It's execution. Get your legs ready so that when you come out at the half – you are getting right back into game mode, and don't let it slip away. In that, finally, does Clay show up? That's it. My fifth key to the game: get Clay some good looks early, not rushing, not off balance. Some some looks where he can step into the shot, get in a rhythm, squared up, and put some in to get his confidence back. Because I think the Warriors are very lucky for this to be an even series, despite Clay being a, a, a basically a non-factor. So Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Game three, Warriors at Celtics, 9 Eastern on ABC. Our coverage starts at 8 Eastern right here on ESPN Radio. Coming up, a goat on and off the court, changing the game in a multitude of ways. Going to join us next, Spain and Fitz.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, solo Spain tonight for a power hour on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80 don't forget, you can listen to every game of the NBA Finals on ESPN Radio. Pregame starts right when we're done here tonight at 8 Eastern. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short, a lot of things. Bundle today at progressive.com. That bag song was perfect for our next guest, who's been securing the bag as NIL rights take over collegiate sports. It's UConn women's basketball superstar Paige Beckers. Uh, you just did this incredible thing a couple of weeks ago with overtime basketball, this takeover involving some of the young talent. You were executive producing it. How do you have that on your resume already, uh, and how cool is that?
2: Um, it's crazy. I'm still trying to understand it all. I mean, a couple <laughs> years ago, uh, this whole NIL thing didn't really exist, so – just being able to take advantage of that and the opportunities that I've been given and doing it while like inspiring and working with the next generation of basketball players is awesome.
1: Yeah, so it was two days. I had a bunch of the top high school players, including a UConn commit in KK Arnold. So here's here's what I need to ask. Are you giving her the business? Are you are you hazing her because you know she's going to be coming in? Or are you trying to take it easy on her and make her feel nice and welcome before she, she gets the Gino treatment?
2: Yeah, no, I'm taking it easy on her for sure. Just before she gets here, because I know once it once you get here, it, it gets tough.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that. When you, I mean, you you're a seasoned vet now, but let's flash back to what you expected when you got to the program, and maybe what everyone had told you about what it feels like to play for Geno and in that system, and then what the reality was. How did that match up for you?
2: Um, coming in, I, I you obviously hear a lot of stories about. How tough it is and how hard it is, but I think just coming in, I knew the expectations were going to be high. There's a lot of pressure. I mean, just coming to UConn and all the legacy and history that's already existed. So just trying to live up to that, but at the same time, they just they don't push or sort of demand anything out of you that you can't do. So just sort of just listening and taking in the coaching and being cool with your teammates and just having great relationships with them makes it a lot easier. And, I mean, I love playing here. The expectations are high, and I love it. And there's a lot of pressure on you, and I love that as well. But it's a blessing to play here.
1: Paige Beckers is with me here on Spain and Star, the UConn women's basketball team. Let's talk about that pressure. I know at the Gatorade event you were hanging with my girl Renee Montgomery, who's become more than a face for women's basketball in terms of becoming part owner of the Atlanta Dream Team and expanding maybe the horizons for female athletes Uh, in their pro career and beyond you're earlier in your career still playing at the collegiate level but there's a lot of weight on your shoulders to carry the excitement and enthusiasm and incredible growth around women's basketball does that ever feel like a burden to you? Uh,
2: I feel like with social media nowadays it can tend to be a lot just the expectations and the fact that everybody's going to have an opinion but I try not to pay attention to it too much Um, coach has been really good with me About that, just making sure my circle's tight. And I really just make sure that I have great people around me who keep me humble, who keep me grounded. But it's actually really fun just being able to help the women's game grow and help the next generation of basketball players and sort of help and just be a voice for the respect that we deserve as women athletes.
1: Yeah. Paige Becker's with me here. And I've been so impressed with how you've handled yourself because there's the pressure of your own expectations. There's fighting through injury and coming back to be a part of a team that, you know, maybe was criticized, especially early on last year for underperforming and then comes back to be very much in the hunt for a title. And then you've got this NIL thing that you're one of the big names that's navigating the early waters. So tell me more about that. When Gatorade comes to you with this massive deal do you got to run it by Gino first? Does he have to check off on, on anything that people are doing outside of the hoop side?
2: Uh, no, I have an agency that I do a lot of these uh, deals with. They give me a lot of deals, and I have a great team around me there. Um, we also have, like, the same values, same goals that we want to reach and attain, and they respect that. For me, it's always basketball first. Um, this whole NIL space is definitely new. We're all navigating it and trying to learn more about it and the best way to do things, but obviously just communicating with coach and the core coaching staff and my teammates and just making sure we're all on the same page, I think that helps a lot.
1: Oh man, I can't even imagine Gino not having his hands in something. And you working with your agents and him having to just be on the side, oh, okay. I just think of him as, as, you know, always wanting so much control over what goes on that this NIL stuff must be difficult for him too, as we continue to navigate, you know, all of the early stages of it. Paige Beckers, UConn women's basketball star with me here on Spain and Bits. You know, Paige, a, a lot of female athletes I talk to, whether that's Hillary Knight in hockey or Megan Rapino and the voice she's become for soccer, uh, you in basketball, you know, not only do you have to focus on playing your best and understanding that the better you play, the better it is for your team and the sport, but you also become sort of an activist for the cause, selling tickets, marketing, talking about equality, talking about opportunities and resources that women deserve as athletes. Um, how much time do you spend having conversations with other female athletes or or folks that can help sharpen your your opinions on those things? How much pressure do you feel to be able to articulate and speak wisely about the role that you and other young female athletes who are getting the kind of attention and, and spotlight that you get. Um, Like, you know, I I remember you talking at the ESPYs and it feels like it's something important to you.
2: Yeah, it's definitely important just because of the platform that I've been given and the following that I have. I feel like it's important for me to use my voice in a very positive way to invoke change. Um, And it's something that women and, People who are fighting inequalities have been fighting for for a long time. So I think with me just being as blessed as I am and just like the God-given talents that I've been given, I just want to do something positive with it and make a change in the world, make this world to become a better place, and anything that I can do to do that is what I want to do.
1: I was super impressed about what you said in the ESPYS. As a white woman, woman who is getting a ton of attention in a black-led sport and celebrated so often that you wanted to give a spotlight to black women that maybe don't get the media coverage they deserve. You end up being at the center of something that's not that's not your fault, but that you might get criticized for. All the attention and the media headlines that you get that maybe should be given equally or as often to some of the best young black players in the game. How do you handle that when it's not your fault what the media decides to cover or the maybe uh, mistakes that are built into the system that we've gotten so used to in journalism that we we rarely notice? Um, How do you deal with that? And do you ever feel like people blame you instead of blaming the people doing the, the media coverage?
2: Yeah, I think I struggled with that a lot my freshman year just because I was new to the scene and I got a lot of attention right off the bat. But, like, me, I've never asked for it. I want to share it, and that's why I think it's so important because I get a lot of the attention, but what I want to do is share it amongst others and shine lights on other people. And I just, I sometimes I do feel like people tend to blame me, but I I feel like that's unfair. I don't ask for it, and I don't necessarily want it all the time. It's a lot of pressure, but at the same time, it's a blessing, and pressure makes diamonds, so I love it.
1: Yeah, and you have the swag for it. Gosh, I love watching you play. I love the swag. I love the confidence because you gotta back that up. I remember one time in high school basketball, I was playing at another team that hated me, and I made my first free throw as they were booing me, and then I gave them like a like a attitude with like a snap, and then I was like, oh no, now I better make this second free throw. Like this is I've really done it to myself. And that's how you act all the time. Every game is like swaggy confident. It's so, so fun to watch. Hey, speaking of that, it reminds me of Steph. You guys have a little bit of that same shoulder shimmy shake, a little bit that, aw, shucks, I guess I'm awesome. Have you been watching the NBA Finals?
2: Of course. Anytime basketball's on, I'm I'm watching it, and it's really entertaining.
1: All right, who you got tonight? Game three.
2: Uh, I'm going with the Celtics.
1: Just the home court advantage, or what do you think they're going to figure out?
2: I think every time the Celtics have lost, I don't think they've lost the next game. Like they always make adjustments They coach really well. And it's their first home game in the final. So the energy is going to be crazy.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye on Draymond. That home crowd might be getting right in Draymond's head tonight in Boston. I know. Yeah, that's going to be I fun. Know. Hey, Paige, so fun to talk to you. I'm so, so impressed with you. Keep it up. You're doing amazing things for yourself, for your team, and for the game all together. Um, and I, I was really excited. I'm on the Gatorade Women's uh, Sports Advisory Board, so I was excited to have you join the Gatorade team. Love to see you doing that overtime takeover event. So uh, keep staying out there and spreading the gospel of, of great women's sports.
2: Thank
1: you. I appreciate it. Awesome stuff from Paige. You can follow her at Paige Beckers1. Not like she needs it. Uh, We're going to go to Boston next, get you set for Game 3 of the NBA Finals. It's Spain and Fitz, Solo Spain, Power Hour on ESPN Radio.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Game 3 of the NBA Finals tonight. Are we going to get a feeling for which team has the edge here? I sure hope so, because I haven't figured it out yet through two. Spain and Fit, solo Spain on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget, you can tune into the ESPN Daily podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters, presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily. Available wherever you enjoy your podcast. Really excellent episode today. Liz Merritt and Ramona Shelburne reporting on Jason Tatum's life and how he grew up to become a star. He will need to be a star tonight for the Celtics. Let's bring in Mark Kestescher, NBA on ESPN Radio, play-by-play, who will be on the call tonight. Let's start there. It feels like Tatum is forcing it a little bit, trying to draw fouls and contact, putting the ball on the floor, when he can shoot over a whole bunch of these defenders. I want to see a more straightforward game from Tatum tonight. What do you expect now that they'll be back in Boston?
0: Yeah, Sarah, good evening uh, here from... uh... From Boston, I agree, and I was talking with Doris Burke just a a short time ago as we prepare for our uh, hour-long pregame here and get into game coverage, and I asked about, you know, look, his three-point shooting is great. The two-point shooting, how do you explain this? Because it's it's so poor, and she made a great point, and she basically said, look, when he's looking for fouls, hunting for those shots, you don't get the great quality look, and he hasn't been getting those hits, and I think he as he told us yesterday, and you'll hear in the interview coming up later tonight, is they got to stop hunting for fouls. Um, and when fouls aren't called, they have to get back into the play quicker. And I think, you know, look, it's easy to, to see and describe and say and maybe a little bit harder to do and adjust to, but clearly they're going to have to because I'm with you. I don't know which way this series is going. Uh, it feels to me like look we had a best of seven might as well wipe those two games away and just right. say we got a best of five now because I have no idea and the Celtics haven't played well on yeah. this home floor in nine games so far this postseason so there's a lot to be answered maybe we get some of those tonight
1: get to the home court in a second but I want to ask you mentioned the success from three and I believe only two more made threes for the Cel- uh, Celtics than the Warriors although we do know that that's such a big part of the Warriors game so maybe uh still a- an impressive number from Boston but how important is it that they can't get the inside looks? I think they've only got 14 shots at the rim through two games so far.
0: Yeah, I look, I, I think there'll be a renewed enthusiasm to try that here tonight. You're right, the Warriors. Um, you know, sometimes it's a misnomer that, you know, they're a, a three-point shooting team and a long shooting team. You know, those try to stretch out the defense and break it that way. And then, and then the problem comes is, The Celtics and the Warriors are two of the best defenses in the league. And so it's, you know, sometimes hard to penetrate or hard to beat, or guys are just so good at recovering, get to -to end-to-end. So, uh, you know, obviously they're going to try to improve on that area. Uh, But as the series goes on, you look historically, it gets more defensive as it goes on. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, to think that those things are going to open up, and we'll see how, you know, Robert Williams, how his health is, the word is he's a go tonight. Um... Gary Payton, the second, came through his first game back in a long time. He's ready to go. I don't know what Andre Iguodala can give him tonight, but he's also available tonight. And Otto Porter, who is another guy who gets healthy for Steve Kerr. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting to watch and see if those offenses open up, but also realizing that these defenses are so tough and probably will get tougher, as everybody has seen uh, what everybody can do over the first two games and into three games.
1: Mark Kestescher with me here on Spain and Fitz. He's on the call for tonight's game three between the Warriors and the Celtics. Uh, you mentioned home court advantage for the Celtics tonight. John Holliger just tweeted out that the Warriors were delayed getting their pregame shooting in because their rim was set a couple inches too high. That sounds like tomfoolery and chicanery and hijinks to me. Saw
0: that, you know, this is such an old school building and you still have the parquet floor and there they had the wooden, the the old standard 10 foot wooden pole from the bottom to the rim. And the Warriors were right. Yeah, they complained it was a little high. And indeed, I couldn't tell how Steph missed one
1: shot and he was like, it's off. This can't be right. Yeah, exactly.
0: From 40 feet away, he's eyeballing. That's 10 feet and a half inch right there. So, yes, maybe a little bit. uh, Look, it wouldn't be the same, uh, you know, I'm not from Boston, so this may sound, uh, you know, uh, for, for me being an anti-Bostonite, but, yes, it would not sound uncommon. Wouldn't We're a little tomfoolery going on yes, here yes. in the old town.
1: Uh, a little bit too much air in the stanchions, I guess, is what's is what's happening there. Uh, Mark kestershire with us here on Spain and Fitz. Let's talk about the home court advantage in terms of other things, namely Draymond. Uh, there was so much talk about his energy, his defensive aggressiveness, getting the Warriors off to the hot start in Game 2 Do you anticipate him being able to keep that energy controlled and focused with that Boston crowd?
0: I think he's going to thrive off it. I really do. I don't think he cares. I think he loves it. He's going to be, you know, target number one for 18,624, whatever the sellout number here (laughs) here is at TD Garden. The question for me is Scott Foster is the lead official and how he handles it. That's, you know, the, the change every game is, right, the officiating crews. And they gave him a ton of rope after that early technical. I know it's been discussed a lot over the last 72 hours. And it'll be interesting to see if it's as physical as it was Sunday night in San Francisco, how the officials handle it, because I do believe that that's just the nature of his game, and, and both coaches are telling both sides, we gotta bring the force. And now Boston, you know, has to answer the force. And so if Golden State and namely Draymond Green delivers it, you know, how much do the Celtics give back and how much leash do the officials give them?
1: Kesty, a lot of people after game one were sort of deriding the Warriors' defense as being ranked number two in terms of the numbers, but maybe not in practice being as effective as all that. In fact, Izzy Gutierrez is trying to insert some heat culture into a finals that the Heat aren't in, saying that the Heat were a much more effective defense and much tougher on Boston. What did you see happen in game two outside of the aggressive, handsy approach to forcing deflections and steals? What else did you see from the Warriors in terms of matchups and defense that worked for them in game two?
0: Yeah, I think putting Draymond Green on Jalen Brown, which mm-hmm. was probably, you know, an answer from game one and how effective Brown was, you know, that that was an early indicator of, you know, Steve Kerr needed to change something up, and maybe that was the matchup, you know, that gets that defense going. We didn't hear a lot about uh, Andrew Wiggins, as we did in the first series, taking on Luka Doncic. I thought he was improved as well, and then um, maybe I didn't notice it in the moment, but certainly all of our statistical people at ESPN, and then when you go back and watch the game, you got to give a lot of credit to Steph Curry. You know, they they go after him. They hunted him earlier in his career. He was able to stay in front. He was able to affect guys. There were very poor shooting numbers, which sometimes when I see those defensive numbers, you know, I often question, is you like know, to make or miss league, like we like to say, where they just misses? Should that be credit to Steph Curry? But either way, the numbers uh, improved to him. I just thought it was an all-around renewed effort they were embarrassed by that fourth quarter they felt they probably felt they had that game in the bag after one of their typical third quarter runs and um and the Celtics came back to earth shot wise but I think that yeah. that slight adjustment of uh, Draymond onto Jalen seemed to be and, and I don't know who gets credit for it if it's Mike Brown if it's Steve Kerr whoever I just think that that set the tone a little better and it didn't help the, or didn't hurt that Draymond basically had a held ball in the first 14 seconds right. and really set the tone.
1: Well, and it didn't look like the Celtics were really able to take advantage of pulling Draymond away from the bucket to guard Jalen Brown because they weren't really super effective inside. That's a trade-off that they maybe could take advantage of if we see Draymond on Jalen again and having to, you know, face guard twenty-five feet out instead of being able to patrol the middle a little bit more. We're talking to Mark Kestischer. You can follow him at Mark Kestischer on Twitter ahead of tonight's game three of the NBA finals. Does Clay have to be great, or can Clay just be sort of a decoy who will always draw a certain amount of defense just in case he gets hot?
0: It's a great point. I don't think he has to be great when he is. Obviously, it takes a ton of pressure off. But, yes, he just has to be good. And, you know, even if he is shooting 30% or 4 for 15 from 3 as he is now, I still can't see the defense sagging off of him. Because that's all you need is to have him put one through the net. And the next thing you know, he's got seven or eight three-pointers. Mm-hmm. But I think, Without your a dribble. Point, I think your point's accurate. <laughs> Without a dribble. And, and that may be the key tonight. Remember when he had the 37 points? And what do he mm-hmm. have, like 11 dribbles or 12 dribbles <laughs> yeah. in that game? So, you know, maybe that's the difference uh, for him. But I think just the threat of Clay, even after two major injuries and through stats that are not clay like through two games, you know, he brings enough where it, just to be good – would be good enough for golden state
1: well we heard he was watching game six clay videos so if you can hype yourself up with your own hot games uh, i'm here for that and i'm I'm hoping it works out uh final question for you kesty so much talk about whether steph has ever been an nba finals mvp and whether he's at his best in the finals or doesn't show up numbers wise there's a pretty good argument for him doing what needs to be done in these series so far through two what's your grade on how steph's been doing
0: yeah, it's got to be in the A's, right? A or A-plus, uh, both sides of the ball. Uh, the offense is there. Obviously, it's 31.5 points per game. He's getting rebounds, getting assists, getting t- getting his guys involved. Um, it's got to be in the A's. I know we like to be creature of the moment and say it's, you know, the best finals performance he's put together. And, you know, he was just a, a few votes away from being a finals MVP seven years ago. But um, at his age, still looks great. Um yesterday i think steve kerr it was steve kerr right who told us he was in the best shape of any player he has ever played with or coached and that's a huge statement since he spent a lot of time in chicago so right. uh, al that's horford right. just coming out right now so th- that's a huge statement and he keeps himself in great shape i don't know if he's just a genetic freak I'd like to think that on top of, you know, just staying in and a ton of hard work to stay in shape. But he's running miles out there. Right. And we all know that he could be off balance, not square to the basket, 35 feet away and knock it down. And you're right. And know that the rim was 10 feet, a half inch. You know, he's, <laughs> he's that kind of Superman.
1: If I'm, if I'm the, the Warriors, I'm doing a quick full lap around that court. Make sure everything looks regulation before we start this game. Make sure our water bottles are filled with water and not something else and all that stuff. Hey, Kesty, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the game. We're going to sure enjoy you on the call.
0: Solo Spain is always a good night, Sarah. <laughs>
1: That's right. Thanks, Kesty. You can follow him at Mark Kestesher. He'll be part of the NBA on ESPN Radio crew tonight. Their coverage starts right at 8 Eastern here on ESPN Radio. Uh Game three Celtics host the Warriors presented by indeed coverage at eight Eastern on most ESPN radio stations want a chance to win some cash just by tuning in. You can listen to the NBN ESPN radio basketball championship broadcast tonight at eight Eastern for the chance to win $3,000. Like you needed another reason to listen three K let's go. Uh, So many stories. So little time. Got to do some quickies next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Wow, these power hours go fast. Solo Spain tonight, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget, you can listen to every game of the NBA Finals right here on ESPN Radio. Pre-game for Game 3 starts when we're done. About 15 minutes, 8 Eastern for that Game 3 Boston Warriors matchup. We'll get back to that, but we got a couple other stories to get to today, and to do them as quickly as possible, it's Quickies. That's right, we're so fast we couldn't even get the beginning of the Quickies readout. Uh, (laughs) Let's get to our first story. Uh, We will have plenty more to say about the sale of the Broncos and the $4.65 billion price tag, according to sources. Uh, When we've got more time, I'm sure Fitz will have something to say about the Walter Penner family ownership group headed by a Walmart heir... An old white man joining the ranks of NFL ownership. I hope he fits in. Uh, There were plenty of other groups, maybe some more diverse groups that were looking into purchasing the team. But I'm glad that the NFL found someone they were comfortable with. More on that later. Next story. Uh, yeah uh, speaking of football Cooper Cup three years 70, 78 and a half I should say million dollar extension with the Rams we are seeing the Rams do their best to get enough money at the players that they want to keep around to try to defend that Super Bowl title so congrats to Cooper Cup I don't think there's a person out there who would argue that he and Aaron Donald are not deserving of the windfalls coming their way good on the Rams for being able to keep them around next story Jack Del Rio making some news. Uh, I was unaware that he was on Twitter, but uh, now that I've found his account, there's certainly some interesting things on it. Uh, One of them inspired a question asked of him uh, uh, when he downplayed what seemed to happen on January 6th uh, at the Capitol and seemed to ask why people weren't paying more attention to the protests around the post-George Floyd racial reckoning in our country and instead focused more on the attack on the Capitol. Here's what he had to say.
0: I think we all as Americans have the right to express ourselves, especially if you're being respectful. I'm being respectful. I just asked a simple question. Really, did I? let's get right down, down to it. What did I ask? A simple question. Why are we not looking into those things if we're gonna talk about it why are we not looking into those things because it's kinda of hard for me to say I can realistically look at it I see the images on TV people's livelihoods are being destroyed businesses are being burned down no problem and then we have a dust-up at the Capitol well, there's nothing burned down and we're not gonna talk about we're gonna make that a major deal I just think It kind of two standards. And if we apply the same standard and we're going to be reasonable with each other, let's have a discussion. That's all it was.
1: Uh, The dust up where nothing burned down, thank God, Uh, did see six people die, a hundred police officers injured, several who took their own lives afterwards and was a threat to the democracy upon which our country was founded. Uh, Jack Del Rio has since apologized for those comments, but stands by his condemnation of the protests that occurred across communities after george floyd's murder curious to see what some of the defensive players for the commanders will think about that as i always and often say a predominantly black sport who has predominantly white coaches and people in power is a very tricky thing when it comes to issues like this and i wonder if the black defensive players for the commanders feel as comfortable Um, expressing themselves and listening to Jack Del Rio, uh, the more he speaks out on these issues. Next story. World Series of Softball starts tonight. Finals, the David versus Goliath, Texas versus number one ranked Oklahoma, who's got that nice home field advantage of always playing home uh, nearby. 8.30 tonight, ESPN, ESPN app for game one. Tony Kornheiser. Breaking this one down.
0: Oklahoma is fabulous. They're 57-3. and three. The three teams that beat them got trounced in a rematch by an aggregate score of 39 nothing. But my Texas won 47 games. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you could say, hey, Texas beat them. But so far, it hasn't mattered much in the rematches. Texas, the first unseeded team ever to reach the Women's College World Series Championship Series. Uh, This would be a real fun one if we can keep it tight and they can hang with Oklahoma. College women's softball, by the way, the fastest growing sport in terms of ratings, in terms of revenue, the third highest revenue driving sport in all of college sports behind only men's football and basketball. If you are not on board, get on board. It is fun. All right, next story. Let's hear a little bit of what it sounded like as Steven Stamkos put the Tampa Bay Lightning up 3-0 against the Rangers in their last game.
0: Pallott fumbles the puck a bit, stays with it. Pallott right circle, Pallott. Shoots it, made, rebound, score! At the side of the net, Stamkos! Another rebound goal for the Lightning. They've had a couple tonight, it's 3-0.
1: Oh, you love the accents. A couple rebound goals, eh? That's 970 WFLA. You love the screaming. You love the energy. You love the Stanley Cup playoffs. So good. And we got a rubber match. Rangers heading back to New York now tied 2-2 with the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs in the Eastern Conference Finals. Game 5, 8 Eastern on ESPN from Madison Square Garden. Rangers have won 8 straight at home and two of the last three games in this series will be at MSG. Can they upset the lightning in their bid for a third straight title? That should be a fun one. Final story. ESPN radio is presented by progressive insurance. Progressive can help you protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. And if something wasn't mentioned that you had in mind, find out if it can be covered at progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE because it probably can be. Final story of the night is Game 3 of the NBA Finals, which is coming right up. Let's close on some Clay Thompson energy. That's the beauty of playing in today's age is you can go on YouTube and you can look up all your great moments. And uh, gosh, I'll probably just YouTube Game 6 Clay because there's some very high-pressurized situations I was in and I ended up shooting the ball well. And when you can do it, when your back's against the wall, you know you can do it at any given moment. Gosh, I love that. I gotta put together a highlight reel of my finest radio moments, around the horn takedowns, beating Bill Plaschke in showdown. I gotta put it all together. Game six, Spains, hype myself up on a on a slow day. I love that. I'm excited to see how Clay comes out tonight. If he's been on a steady diet of Game Six Clay highlights, it's gonna be good.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at seven Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.